Open our lips, O Lord, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. There's a difference between ceremonies and ritual, says Jim Clark. Ceremonies are these things that are kind of nice and sweet, not going to stir up much, you know, a school graduation, it's going to be generally kind of nice and smiles, or a road opening somewhere where there's a ribbon cutting to acknowledge we've got this new road or this new highway, and there are going to be a lot of people smiling and taking pictures, and in the speeches, they're not going to talk about the um, environmental devastation that took place to make that road happen. They're not going to talk about the displaced people. They're just, you know, it's a ceremony. They're not going to do anything that's going to disturb things, kind of keep things nice and even and equal. Clark says that true ritual should shock us. It should shock us because it offers to us an alternative universe, an alternative way of being. And rather than stay away from the shadow side of things, true ritual not only names the shadow, but pulls it into its midst. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Yeah, that's kind of shocking. That's a ritual that's really kind of, sh- not only because of the cannibalistic sensibilities of it, that's, that's shocking enough, but what really disturbed people in Jesus' time and still is something we're trying to grasp is what Jesus is saying is that human flesh, human blood, is where the sacred is found. That God's not out there somewhere to be found, to go up in some mountain or try to, that right here in human flesh So I need you to look at your hand for a moment. I've probably done this somewhere along the line, but look at your hand and realize that in your hand is the sacred, in that flesh and blood, not around it or somehow covering it. It's in to be found in your hand. The other part that's kind of shocking in the alternative universe about that is that that's true for everybody else in the world. And so what Jesus is saying is, why taking my flesh and my blood and letting that commingle in you, what you're realizing is that every human that has ever existed is and ever will is the residence where I live and I am found and I am present. And that is the very foundation from which you start to relate to one another. Every person you start with recognizing they are the residence of the sacred. True ritual is shocking because it means I've got to think of an alternative way of being with those people I really can't stand. We've been praying that in this epiphany season. Those that are easy to like and those that are difficult to like. That's the shocking. It also names the shadow because if we don't recognize the divine in everyone, that's how human beings then exercise violence against one another. Because really, you're not a place where God is, so we can shun you or do worse. That's the shadow side of flesh and blood. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. If you were going around in school, and everybody you meet, just think you walked up to me and you said, Bert, remember that you're dust and you're going to turn back into dust. Thank you, Todd. (laughs) Phoebe, remember, you're dust. Isn't that great? You're going to be dust again. Isn't that great? How popular would you be in school? 
you're like, let's call the principal. <laughs> Same for the adults. Remember, you're dust. Yeah, it's shocking. In a moment, we're going to smear ashes, mud, on our foreheads. And think if you just like went to your next door neighbor, knocked on the door, and they opened the door, and you went, remember, you're dust, and you're going to die. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a weird ritual. And it's offering us an alternative universe. It's saying, to find your life, you must not be afraid of death. If you want to live, you have to acknowledge that you're going to die. And if you can do that, you'll find a freedom that if you don't acknowledge that, you will never find. After Hurricane Katrina, a number of groups from All Souls began going down to the Mississippi coast and to New Orleans to help those early stages of gutting homes and trying to clean out just the, the realities of what hurricanes do to cities and neighborhoods. And one of the, in the very first trip, um, one of our members named Jean Cummings, if you're a nine o'clocker, you know Jean because she ushers and does prayer intercession. She was having a significant birthday. I won't say which because I didn't ask her permission about that. I did ask permission to tell the story, but, but she had grown up in New Orleans. And while growing up, had also spent time along the Mississippi coast where relatives lived. And she said, for this birthday, I want to go down there. I got to do something. I got to be with my people. In those early stages, this was just a few months when all the work was was simply gutting homes and trying to get all that debris somewhere so that life could start being reconstructed. If you've ever been in a home after a flood or a hurricane, you know that what happens is all that water comes in and kind of elevates everything into this kind of demonic muck, swirls the mud and everything, and then just puts it back down. And you have to go into the house and you have to kind of muck through the muck and get all that stuff and lots of shovels and getting it all to the curbs. Then those big industrial shovels come along and put it in the trucks that haul it all away. And so here was Jean with a group of folks, and there's this great picture later in the day. It's about mid-afternoon, and Jean and some others are standing in front of this house with, with the owner they've been gutting during the day. And they're trying to figure out, you know, what's left, what do we do? And in the picture, there's Jean with her work gloves and jeans and this big patch of mud smeared across her forehead. She wasn't even aware, just working that day, and there's just this mud just smeared across her forehead. And I remember as I've looked at that picture thinking, that's Ash Wednesday. Because Jean didn't pretend that there had been an ending, that there wasn't an ending down on the coast and in New Orleans. Didn't try to pretend to the owner, oh, don't worry, it's all great, everything's going to be fine. But what Jean did was, we are all mortal. We all have endings, and to the degree that we are willing to get into the mud and the ashes and the dirt with one another is the degree to which life can come. And for the owner of that home who was trying to figure out what to do and where to work, there was a community created that day because people were willing to go into that home, into their mud, and work at cleaning it up. Remember your dust, and to dust you shall return. That is shocking. It should shock us, and that's okay, because it should shock us into that alternative universe. 
Because if we pretend that we're not going to die, then what we do is spend all our energy clutching onto the things that will pretend to us that we're not going to die. And when we do all that, well, then we do all those things that we're about to confess in the litany. Because I need things to reinforce my myth. And so I'm not going to think about the planet and the earth and the dirt because I need it to just serve me. And I'm not going to worry about the generations to come and what the planet looks like because i got to preserve my myth and consume whatever I need to consume to do so. And if I'm going to pretend that I am not mortal, then I'm going to consume goods and services and I'm not going to pause to think about on whose backs the exploitation took place to make that available for me. Because i got to keep the myth alive. And in fact, I really don't have to pray much because you know what prayer really is? I mean, we tell you all kinds of things about what prayer is, but you know what prayer really is? It's the place where God messes with us. I mean, it really is. It's where we get quiet enough and say, okay, speak to me, and then God says, oh, okay, let's talk. But if I don't pray, if I don't get quiet, then I don't have to worry about what voices might talk to me and I can keep the myths alive. Those are just a few of the things we'll confess in a moment. And the antidote to destroying the planet and the antidote to destroying one another and the antidote to destroying our relationship with God is ashes and remembering that we're dust and saying, okay, so that's going to happen. Now what do we do? Where do we find life? There was one other picture from that Mississippi trip that was very poignant. It was taken late in the day. Again, people might have thought we were crazy, but we had kind of finished things up, and um, Mike Stevenson and I saw this one bush that was really looking pretty pathetic in the yard. And we thought, that bush needs trimming. Now, we're talking about, you know, just a couple of blocks from the coast where there's just devastation everywhere, and there's just piles that these graders are picking up. But we noticed some small buds at the bottom of the bush, and we thought, you know, no one's going to come around to trim these bushes. That's so far down the list of needs right now. But if we trim that bush, those buds can grow. And so there's this picture that we took afterwards, hoping no one would commit us. You're trimming bushes at Hurricane Katrina. But it was the image of those buds that had been through that storm and all of the devastation and realizing that those who are willing to get into the mud and the muck, who are willing to trim away the stuff that needs to be trimmed away, create the space for the buds that bring life back. And I don't know what you need shoveled out of your life this season. My guess is if you get quiet enough, God will talk to you about it. If I get quiet enough, God will talk to me. If we as a community get quiet enough, we'll hear God talking about what really needs to be shoveled out and put on the curb and taken away. Because if we're willing to do that, then we will see the buds. And when the season of Easter rolls around, we will have created the space where some new life can form. So in a minute, we're going to do a really crazy thing. Again, we're going to rub mud on your forehead. And we're going to say, you're dust, and to dust you shall return. And when you feel those ashes, welcome them and give God thanks for them.